So this week we are continuing our sermon series called At the Movies. And my name is Chad Laux. I'm the assistant pastor here of Youth and Family Ministries. The purpose of this series is twofold. The first is to challenge you to think theologically, for you to look for God in the created world around you. In theological terms, we call this prevenient grace. Prevenient grace is the grace of God that everyone in the world experiences. It goes before repentance, it precedes belief, and it precedes salvation. Prevenient grace calls, convicts, illuminates, and enables God, or enables people to view God and to see God. It can be found in the sunset. It can be found in a volcano. It can be found in a, in a wonderful meal. It can be found in seeing the joy in others and in anything else that is good, true, and beautiful. We want you to look for this grace all around you. And what we are spe- specifically focusing on is film, our movies. Now, I'm aware that I must remind all of you that not all movies are good. And not all movies are beneficial to watch. And in fact, some movies should be avoided. And some films are destructive to the viewer. Because what you put into your mind matters. Matthew chapter 6 says, The eye is the lamp to the body. Your eye illuminates what's inside. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. We want you to think theologically. We also want you to connect these movies with the core values of our church. We want you to know what our core values are and for you to be able to live them out and express them to others. So, time for a pop quiz. Uh, The first week, uh, Andy uh, taught from the film The Hobbit. And he attached not one but two core values uh, to The Hobbit. So, pop quiz time. Raise your hand if you answered last week or the week before. You're out. Uh, so what were the two core values? Name one of them. What were the two core values that Pastor Andy attached to the hobbits? Uh, you got to raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Raise your hand. Right there. There we go. All right. So it was people matter to God, and therefore they should matter to us, right? People matter to God, and they should matter to us. What was the second one? Raise your hand. Come on. That's right. To accomplish God's mission, we must have a visionary faith that consistently takes risks for God. Good job. Two for two. Here we go. Uh, the next week, he spoke, I uh, taught from the movie Avatar. And what was the core value attached to Avatar? Looked at, give you a hint, looked at Sully, like some stuff that happened in his life. There we go. Look at you. The gospel message transforms people's lives. That's right. And then last week, Pastor Andy spoke from Finding Dory. Finding Dory. So what was the core value attached to that? Right. People need to be connected to a caring and nurturing community. One thing we do to kind of help you remember what, what happens here on the stage is on the back of your weekly, there's a little section that's just blank, and you can take notes. Remember doing those? Remember notes? And then you can like bring them and like remember what was said and be like, oh yeah, that was really great. It's fantastic. We're smart. 
so this week we'll be exploring the key theme from the Disney movie, Zootopia. Zootopia. Raise your hand if you saw Zootopia. All right, a decent number of you. If you haven't, you're missing out, and you need to after this. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, so there you go. If you're like, I don't have Netflix, well, raise your hand if you have Netflix. There's a bunch of friends that do. Go hang out with them, all right? (laughs) Or you can share your password. That's great, too. Then you make a really good friend. You make a really good friend. So uh, the core value that we're connecting to this movie is we seek unity in the midst of our diversity. We seek unity in the midst of our diversity. So Zootopia has a special place in my heart for a variety of reasons. Uh, One of the reasons is that when um, I was offered the position here and uh, accepted it, uh, y'all flew us out uh, here to be introduced to the congregation, and you threw us a really nice catered lunch downstairs. We had Fox Brothers. That's what love is right there. I knew knew we had a connection. When there was Fox Brothers, it was fantastic. And uh, I was sitting at the table, sitting at the table with some of our students. And they're like, hey, let's, let's all go hang out afterwards. Um, let's go watch a movie. And so the movie they picked was Zootopia. Uh, so this film has a very special place in my heart because it's the first film I ever watched for the students. And also, um, just a few weeks later, um, oh, after I got here, we went on a mission trip uh, to Guatemala. And guess what movie was playing on that flight? Zootopia. Um, just absolutely love this film. And after I watched it, um, the storyline of the film is about a city of animals that have human-like characteristics. There's a rookie rabbit, a bunny cop named Judy Hops, and a cynical con artist fox named Nick Wilde. They must work together to uncover conspiracy in the city of Zootopia. On the surface, the film is about a cartoon rabbit and a fox, uh, but as I was watching the film, I quickly picked up on the deeper themes of the movie. The, the, the theme, the story that's being presented, it's all about racial reconciliation and about breaking down stereotypes. The theme of this film, the lessons that it teaches, could not be more appropriate uh, for our church today as we study the value of seeking unity in the midst of our diversity. The capital C, Church, is made up of people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And we come together, we gather together for a common purpose, and only collectively are we whole. Only when we come together are we the body of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, something beautiful happens. One of the great texts in the Bible for our need for the church to be uh, diverse is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the church of Corinth that Paul was writing to was a very diverse church. We know this from the names that um, he wrote in there uh, in the text and also about some of the subjects that he addresses. And the church was comprised of Jews, Gentiles, Romans, Greeks, rich, poor, male, female. In this passage, Paul uses the analogy of a body, a human body, to communicate that its different parts are needed and that each part has value and the need for unity in diversity. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27. Christ is like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts. And all the, body, all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We're all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body 
isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an ear, because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, so imagine that. Imagine like a giant eye up here on the stage. If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the earring? If the whole body were an ear, so imagine like a giant ear flopping around on the stage, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. And if all were one in the same body, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. And the parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the part with less honor, so that there won't be division in the body, and so the parts might have a mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. So I grew up in northern Indiana in a small farm town community where diversity meant that a farmer planted wheat instead of corn or soybeans. Everybody looked the same, talked the same, and the biggest point of division was between the Indianapolis Colts fans and the Chicago Bear fans. When I began looking at seminaries to get my Master of Divinity, I wanted to go to a school that was well-respected academically, trained leaders for the modern era, and was diverse ethnically and denominationally, which led me to Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. Fuller's student body is represented by over 120 different denominations and 75 different countries. You can get your Master's of Divinity there in English, Spanish or Korean. So you can take all your classes in Korean. You can take all your classes in English or you can take all your classes in Spanish. To be immersed in such a diverse atmosphere was truly a taste of heaven for me. I had classes with, worshipped with, and made friends with Christians from Egypt, Lebanon, Kenya, Switzerland, Japan, Philippines, South Korea, Ukraine, Germany, India, Australia, Canada, Mexico, as well as other countries and from all over the United States. It was absolutely enlightening for me to hear about what it was like to be a Christian from a completely different perspective. It was humbling to hear their remarkable stories of what they sacrificed to be able to attend Fuller. The obstacles and barriers they had to overcome to serve Jesus in their country and to obey their calling to come to Fuller were extraordinary. In the United States, we have an ethos that the freedom the states provides includes an opportunity for success and prosperity, which can be achieved through hard work. This is possible because of the lack of barriers that are presented in the United States. We tell our children that they can achieve what they want to when they grow up, if they work hard enough and don't give up. But the reality is, is that there are barriers in the United States that many have to overcome. A different narrative is told of them by our society 
because they are considered by some to be different or inferior because of who they are. Let's watch the opening scene from the film uh, Zootopia where Judy the Rabbit shares her dream of being a police officer but is confronted by a bully fox named Gideon Gray. Check this out. Fear. Treachery. Bloodlust. Thousands of years ago, these were the forces that ruled our world. A world where prey were scared of predators. And predators had an uncontrollable biological urge to maim and maul and... opportunities. Yeah, I don't have to cower in a herd anymore. Instead, I can be an astronaut. I don't have to be a lonely hunter anymore. Today, I can hunt for tax exemptions. I'm gonna be an actuary. And I can make the world a better place. I am going to be... That is the most stupidest thing I ever heard. It may seem impossible to small minds. I'm looking at you, Gideon Gray. But just 211 miles away stands the great city of Zootopia, where our ancestors first joined together in peace and declared that anyone can be anything! Thank you and good night! Judy, you ever wonder how your mom and me got to be so darn happy? Nope. Well, we gave up on our dreams and we settled. Right, Bond? Oh, yes, that's right, Stu. We settled hard. See, that's the beauty of complacency, Judy. Uh, if you don't try anything new, you'll never fail. I like trying, actually. What your father means, hon, is it's gonna be difficult. Impossible, even, for you to become a police officer. Right. There's never been a bunny cop. No. Bunnies don't do that. Never. Never. Then I guess I'll have to be the first one. Because I am gonna make the world a better place. <laughs> or, uh, heck, you know, you want to talk about making the world a better place, no better way to do it than becoming a carrot farmer. Yes! Your dad, me, your 275 brothers and sisters, we're changing the world. Yeah. One carrot at a time. Amen to that. Carrot farming is a noble profession. Mm -hmm. Just putting the seeds on the ground. One with the soil. Just get covered in dirt. You get it, honey. I mean, it's great to have dreams. Yeah, just as long as you don't believe in them too much. Where'd the heck she go? Give me your tickets right now. I'm gonna kick your meek little sheep butt. Ow! Cut it out, Gideon! Bad, bad. What are you gonna do, cry? Hey! You heard her. Cut it out. Nice costume, loser. What crazy world are you living in where you think a bunny could be a cop? 
kindly return my friend's tickets. Come and get them. But watch out, because I'm a fox. And like you said in your dumb little stage play, us predators used to eat prey. And that killer instinct's still in our dinner. Uh, I'm pretty much sure it's pronounced DNA. Don't tell me what I know, Travis. You don't scare me, Gideon. <gasps> you scared now? Look at her nose twitch. She is scared. Cry, little baby bunny. Cry. Cry. <gasps> oh, you don't know when to quit, do you? I want you to remember this moment the next time you think you will ever be anything more than just a stupid carrot farming dumb bunny. That looks bad. Are you okay, Judy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. Here you go. Wow! You got our tickets! You're awesome, Judy. Yeah, that Gideon Gray doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, he was right about one thing. I don't know when to quit. I think all of us can relate in some way or another to Judy, and, uh, Judy or Gideon in this scene. Either as the one who's been told, like Judy, that you cannot achieve something because of your race, gender, or how little... Or money you make or you've been like Gideon treating others like they have a lesser value than you yourself do we see one of our core values at our church is we seek unity in the midst of our diversity but just because we label this as a core value printed on a poster or post on our website doesn't mean that everyone in our congregation embodies it. it does not mean that our church as a whole reflects this value as I was saying earlier, in the monocultural high school where I grew up, I had a teacher ask our class if we thought racism still existed. I, in all honesty, I thought, no, not really. I thought that went away with the civil rights movement. As I looked around at all my classmates who had the exact same color of skin that I did, the, nif the definition of racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. So racism is whenever a person acts, jokes, comments, etc., in a way to communicate that one's own race is of a greater or lesser value than another. In my almost all Caucasian high school, it was kind of hard to think of another race as inferior when you all saw the same color of faces around you. It may have been easy for me to be so naive to believe that racism was something in my past, in my ignorant youth. But beloved, we here at Stockbridge First must not be so ignorant. Uh, several weeks ago, um, on a Friday, Friday's my day off, is when uh, we, took, we took our son, Beniah, who's two, and Liliana, um, loaded him up in a van and took him to a, a playground. Uh, really, not really, really nice playground. Um, it's a public one in our area. It's part of a park. And we had been there a few times before, and it wasn't uncommon for us to see um, elementary school groups there using it as part of, a, um, part of a field trip. And so when we got there, we saw other kids that were playing on the playground, having fun, and um, it's no big deal. The teachers have always been really nice to us, and we're over there playing with our kids. And then I saw um, the Mahaffey boys, uh, Michael Mahaffey's, uh, I saw two of his, uh, two of his youngest, younger boys 
who, if you don't know, um, which you all should, uh, are like the sweetest kids like you could ever possibly meet. Like the most respectful, um, amazing, uh, you just see the joy of God inside of them whenever you see them. They're just absolutely amazing kids. Um, and so if you haven't met them, you might not know uh, that they are African-American. And the school um, that was there was, was somewhat diverse. And so um, I, I say hi to the kids. I'm like, hey, boys, how you doing? They're like, Mr. Chad, why are you on our field trip? Um, and I'm like, no, I'm not here on the field trip. You know, like we just, we just brought our kids here. They're like, oh, okay. Like they're trying to connect the dots. It's just not lining up. And um, so we're there playing, and I'm watching Benaya as he's getting ready to go down a slide, and I see this little girl who's really sad. I said, hey, what's wrong? And she said, um, nobody wants to play with me. Nobody's playing with me. And it's a little Caucasian girl. And I said to her, um, well, you should go find Sebastian. Sebastian's super fun. You should go play with him. She said, no, I don't like the dark-skinned kids. Um, I, said, I said, no, he's a ton of fun. You're going to have a lot of fun with it. Go find him and play with him. She said, no, but what if, what if one of them touches me? How old was this girl? Four years old? Five years old, maybe? People are not born racist. It's something that they're taught. You might want to blame it on a public school or something like that, but the reality is, is that they were there on a field trip with their private Christian school. We are in desperate need for racial reconciliation in our community. That begins by refusing to treat people with a different ethnicity than your own by treating people, by stopping to refusing to treat others as other or lesser. As the Bible says, if all were one in the same body, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the, in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Maybe you've had an experience as fed into your perpetuated stereotypes or been raised or influenced by someone who spoke badly about people of other races than your own. Uh, I think a few years ago, I was with a friend, and we were driving down the road, and uh, we had a green light. That means that the other people had a red light. We're uh, going through a green light, and um, a vehicle T-boned us as we were going through the intersection. They read, uh, ran the red light. Uh, the owner, uh, or the, the person that was driving the vehicle, um, was Latina. Uh, so that means uh, a woman of Latin descent for some of you. Um, uh, so she was Latina. And um, she did not speak English, and she didn't have car insurance. Um, when my friend would tell the story of the accident, hey, of, hey what happened to your truck? Um, he was always intentional with mentioning um, hey, I got hit by a Mexican. He had no idea where, where she had originated from, but he was always um, sure to mention, hey, I got hit by a Mexican. She didn't speak any English, and she didn't, she didn't have any, any insurance. I believe this isolated incident fed into the belief that they already had about people from a land ancestry because if a white male had ran the red light, I highly doubt that the person would have included the race in the story as they told it. Um, about pretty much like a year ago to this day, 
uh, we are getting ready for Youth Week, and we kicked off Youth Week last year and this year with the pool party. And so I was um, pulling into the house where we were having the pool party, had all the hamburgers and hot dogs and everything, and I was just dropping those off, and I got a phone call from my wife, Rachel, who was pregnant with our daughter, uh, Liliana, um, and she, she was driving on the road in our car, our one and only car that we had at the time, and we had, she had Benaya in the back seat, and she was driving down the road, and there was a, a gentleman in a uh, pickup truck with a trailer um, pulled off on the side of the road. And as she went through, he just turned right in front of her to go um, into his driveway and totaled our only vehicle uh, that we had. Um, the Caucasian guy um, who turned into his driveway uh, had a Confederate flag flying on his front porch and also did have car insurance. Um, How would you feel if whenever I told you this story about my wife's accident, that I mentioned those details? Got hit by a white guy today, um, and he had a Confederate flag flying in his his front porch. What would you think I would be trying to articulate through those details? What do you think I'd be really saying underneath the surface about that white guy. Unfortunately, we do this too often, and in doing so, we communicate our conscious or subconscious beliefs about people to our peers and to our children. Our past experiences are a key part of how we understand and interact with the world around us. You may have had a bad experience with someone in the past, In the movie clip we watched, Judy had a very disturbing experience with someone, and it shaped her in a way. Nick, he's a different fox, the one that she has to work with when she becomes a police officer. Nick Wilde also has a traumatic experience from his past that helped shape him. Judy listens to his his story and offers her love and sympathy. Go ahead and watch this clip. see that they get to you. So, things do get to you? Uh, I mean, not, not anymore, but I was small and emotionally unbalanced like you once. Har, har. No, it's true. I think I was eight or maybe nine, and all I wanted to do was join the Junior Ranger Scouts. So my mom scraped together enough money to buy me a brand new uniform because, by God, I was going to fit in, even if I was the only predator in the troop, the only fox. Okay, Nick. I was going to be part of a pack. Ready for initiation? Yeah. Pretty much born ready. I was so proud. Okay, now raise your right paw and deliver the oath. I, Nicholas Wilde, promise to be brave, loyal, helpful, and trustworthy. Even though you're a fox. What? No, no! What did I do wrong, you guys? No! Please tell me what did I do wrong! What did I do? 
thought we would ever trust a fox without a muzzle. Yeah, you're even dumber than you look. I learned two things that day. One, I was never going to let anyone see that they got to me. And two? If the world's only going to see a fox as shifty and untrustworthy, there's no point in trying to be anything else. Nick, you are so much more than that. Boy, look at that traffic down there. How about we go out to Chuck in Traffic Central? Chuck, how are the things looking on the jam cams? Nick, I'm glad you told me. People who racially are the minority in a society can believe that they must conform to be accepted in a society in order to achieve their dreams. They must look white, talk white, dress white, and on and on and on. Even when they make their very best efforts, to conform, they're still treated as other, and as lesser than the majority. The mentality can then develop of, if you're going to constantly treat me like a stereotype, then maybe I should just go ahead and act like that stereotype. As the scriptures teach in 1 Corinthians 12, we are all different. We are all necessary, and no one should be asked to conform. The leadership team at Stockbridge First is committed to seeking un unity in the midst of our diversity. We can continue to bring about healing in our community by beginning here. The first is we can make progress by openly discussing matters of race and ethnic divides. Pastor Andy, a few months back, taught a long um, small group class on uh, unity within diversity. It was a space where people from all sorts of different backgrounds could come and safely talk about uh, their concerns, their stories, what has formed to shape them, so you could see um, other people's perspectives and hear stories of what's going on. <coughs> Excuse me. The second is respectfully and humbly, I cannot underline that enough, respectfully and humbly engage in different co difficult conversations about race. So conversations, that's when you speak, and then you stop. And then the other person speaks, and then you listen. That's a conversation. Um, to have conversations about what's going on, what, how they experience things, and not try to justify their story. It's their story. Let them share what it is. And the third is pursuing cross-cultural relationships, communication, and competence. So let's go ahead and just leave those on the screen for a while. Uh, so when I, that, that last one, when I, um, in January before I, I graduated from Fuller, uh, I knew that I wanted to get a job, and I knew that, uh, so it was, you know, like uh, five, six months before I graduated, um, I didn't want to just collect degrees like some of my friends uh, were doing. I wanted to use my degree for something. And so what I would do is I'd go online, and I'd look at different forums, um, where job postings were placed, uh, like the UMC's job forum, uh, youth cartel, churchstaffing.com, stuff like that. And I would look at job descriptions. And that's where Stockbridge first had posted a job description. So what I would do is I would go look at the job description. You can tell a lot of, about a church, whether they 
value youth or don't value youth or actually even know what a youth pastor is supposed to do by their job description. And so some of them were really comical. But then I read through the one for Stockbridge first and I was like, oh, wow, like these guys get it. Um, this is a really great program. I'm really excited about this. And so then what I would do is after looking at a job description uh, that got it, uh, I would then go to the very next thing is I would go to uh, their church website and I click on staff. And I would look and see what the ethnicity was of the staff. And if it was all white staff, that one got thrown out. Wasn't interested to go in there. Because I knew from my experience at Fuller um, that I wanted to raise my family in a diverse culture. I didn't want them to grow up in a monocultural experience like I had. Um, and that I really valued diversity enough to turn down other job offers to come here because of what I know God uh, was doing and is doing in this community right here in Stockbridge first. Um, here's a few things that we are doing as a church more, I'm the youth guy, so more from the youth side of things um, to help build with these three things. Uh, one is on Friday mornings during the football season, uh, we have um, a group uh, that's called Feed the Team. And I'm also the chaplain at the Stockbridge High School football team. If you guys don't know, uh, Stockbridge High School, it's not a private school, it's a public school. So it's a really amazing opportunity that I get to be a chaplain uh, for these about 100, 100 boys on the football team. And every Friday morning, there's a group uh, that comes together to feed them breakfast. Um, and the majority, almost all, last year there was one Caucasian uh, student, everybody else uh, on the team was African American. And so there's a group of predominantly um, Caucasian people that come to serve these kids uh, biscuits and gravy. Uh, gravy so good, you can sip it from a cup. <laughs> true story, true story. Biscuits, gravy, fruit, honey buns, and juice. Um, and the wonderful woman who makes the biscuits, she makes 200 of them every week from scratch by hand. Uh, and in the evenings, or in the late afternoon, uh, so we come and feed them. And then in the afternoon, I go and I eat dinner with all the, all the boys. And I give them a devotional before, before the team dinner, before they eat. And I've told them multiple times um, that reality, that those biscuits are made from hand because we love and we value them and we appreciate them. Um, amazing opportunities for both the adults serving and for the students um, eating. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity for conversations to take place, uh, for relationships to be formed, um, and for r racial reconciliation to take place. And the people who serve love doing it. Um, so what I've kind of been doing is I've been going around to each member of that team be like, hey, are you interested in doing it again this year? And they're like, uh, yeah, like I'm going to do it every year until I can't do it anymore. Uh, but what they're also passionate about is they want to show the next generation how to serve in this way, um, to take up the baton um, and to help serve in that, in that way. It's an amazing opportunity. I just absolutely love it. One of my favorite parts of the week. Uh, the next thing, I think we've got a picture that's coming up. Uh, this is a picture from our uh, Guatemala mission team. They just got back uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago. Time flies. Um, we take students of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different schools, and we bring them together to grow as disciples and as disciple makers. And at the end of the week, they go, to two, they go through a two to three hour time 
of reflection to learn what God taught them on the mission trip. Here's what two students, here's what two students learned from our recent mission trip to Guatemala. This is from Lauren. This trip helped me realize, uh, Lauren's going to be a sophomore in high school. Uh, this trip helped me realize that God's creation is so much more than the small piece of it we see every day. And that God can use anyone to share his love with others. No matter what country they're from or what language they speak. This is from Caitlin. Guatemala showed me to love everyone without hesitation and to love unconditionally. Even if you don't know the person's name. May we seek racial reconciliation with our whole hearts. May we come to value and celebrate diversity. And may we truly seek unity in the midst of that diversity. Please bow your heads and pray with me. God, we thank you so much for the work that you've done over the years your provenient grace that we've experienced to bring us to this point in our history in Stockbridge First. And God, in a really weird time in our culture where it seems like we're moving backwards on this issue, God, may the devil not have a foothold in any of this. May we move forward in making unity within our diversity. We know that we have a lot of work to do in this area. And God, we repent of our sin of racism. We ask that you would bring healing to those that we have harmed. And may we see everyone as you see them, beautifully and wonderfully made. May we value others who are different than us. May we listen to their stories. May we share with them your love. In the redemptive name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, for our benediction, our good word that we're going to end the service with, I'd like to show you the last clip uh, from Zootopia. It's one of the final clips of the film. Hear these words and be challenged, be encouraged, and be blessed. Listen to this. When I was a kid, I thought Zootopia was this perfect place where everyone got along and anyone could be anything. Turns out... Real life's a little bit more complicated than a slogan on a bumper sticker. Real life is messy. We all have limitations. We all make mistakes, which means, hey, glass half full, we all have a lot in common. And the more we try to understand one another, the more exceptional each of us will be. But we have to try. So no matter what type of animal you are, from the biggest elephant to our first fox. I implore you, try. Try to make the world a better place. Look inside yourself and recognize that change starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with all of us. challenged, may be encouraged, and may be blessed this week. Peace be with you.